Delegates threatened how Trump supporters are challenging the Indiana selection process. The circus is in town. Indiana now has campaign headquarters for five presidential candidates. A big increase in early voting and a new tone in the Senate race. That plus call us Hoosiers and more on Indiana Week in Review for the week ending April 15, 2016. Programming is made possible by Ice Miller. Ice Miller, with a 100-year tradition of learning what is important to clients and strategizing with them toward a common goal. Today, Ice Miller continues its commitment to help clients build, grow, and protect their interests. More at icemiller.com. This week, Indiana Republicans chose 57 delegates to the Cleveland Convention, and some of them are being threatened. The controversy is over what could happen if the GOP nomination fight goes to a second ballot. The Donald Trump campaign believes there is a concerted effort in Indiana to select delegates who support other candidates. A vote for Trump on the first ballot would be required from most delegates if he wins the primary election. But delegates are free to make up their own minds if the nomination race goes to a second ballot. A Politico.com headline declaring Trump trounced in Indiana points out how relatively few of the 27 district delegates are Trump supporters. Once it was posted online, GOP leaders, including 7th District Chairman Tom John, began receiving threatening emails. This one says, think before you take a step down the wrong path. It goes on to say, the American people want to have faith in you, but it looks like a future in hiding is more appealing. Over the weekend, I began getting several emails that referenced my family, referenced uh, attributes that they'd clearly been researching me and that I was going to be put out on a public list and they were watching me. I think it's a horrible thing for somebody to do. If they're doing it in um, favor of one of the two sides, knock it off. And that's Trump, Indiana Chairman Rex Early. Is the establishment seeking to defeat Trump? It's the first question for our Indiana Week in Review panel, Democrat Ann Delaney, Republican Mike McDaniel, John Schwannis, the host of Indiana Lawmakers, and John Ketzenberger, president of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. I'm Wish TV State House reporter Jim Schellum. Mike McDaniel, are the Trump supporters overreacting? Well, let's start with the fact that by rule, the at-large delegates and the district delegates have to vote for who wins the district, and the at-large delegates vote for whoever wins the state. So on the first ballot... On the first ballot. They're bound. So right. that's, that's a given. And, of course, we haven't had that ballot yet since we're still a month out from primary, or half a month out from primary. So it's, it's you know, kind of crazy to be talking about this now because you don't know who's... They act like they've already won the first ballot. Well, that's not the case. And... As far as the large delegates that were elected this week, it uh, looks to me like there's pretty good balance. All three presidential candidates have representatives on there. Can you imagine the cry if there hadn't been that balance 
from one of the groups that they've been locked out of that process. So you're it's one of them. You're one, I'm one of them. I'm one of the uh, tw of the uh, at large delegates. Who are you supporting? And I will uh, vote for the first round of whoever wins Indiana. And after that, I've got a list of restaurants in Cleveland I'd like to go to. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm being facetious. But anyway, no, it, it's it's going to be an interesting process. But you know, everybody needs to just step back and chill out here because uh, these rules have been in place for a good while, and it's, there's no since news last here. fall. Yeah. Since it's a new setup. Right. It's a new since process. Last, I think October. Right. And so it's not like these are news to people that this is the way it's going to work. So, and uh, you have to have that flexibility because if you don't, and if everybody was locked in on every ballot and you didn't have a majority. You never get somebody nominated, so right. you got to have that flexibility, and, and that'll play itself out in the course of the convention. But they're not overreacting. Okay, tell me why. Well, the pundits are all saying if he doesn't win in, in Indiana, that the path to having enough uh, delegates for for a first ballot victory narrows so considerably, it's probably not feasible. And then what happens? Uh, and yeah, the rules may have been in place since last October. The question is, did they change them? For example, there is support for Kasich. At the moment, Kasich doesn't have the required, I believe it's eight, eight states right. of victories in order to be even considered on the first ballot. Do they change mm -hmm. that rule? I mean, there, I, I, I think that there's reason for them to be concerned. There's no question about that. And, <laughs> you know, he could win handily in Indiana, I suppose. And if he does, that certainly will, will uh, um, at least get him this and keep him alive for the first ballot victory. So Tom John and, and some of the other folks who, who received these emails turned them over to the authorities. The Indiana State Police looked at them, said that they're not criminal. Um, no investigation will take place. Uh, it, what's politics come to? <laughs> well, it's become a bare-knuckle affair, that's for sure. Uh, but first of all, Mike, um, Michael Simon's restaurant in Cleveland, I oh, think, is where you want to go. I'll put that on the list. Yeah, no, there you go. Just a friendly help, you know, help you out there. But, um, you know, the, it doesn't speak well when uh, perceived threats, and, you know, these are, it may not be criminal, but they sure implicated that uh, they mentioned you better watch your back. They mentioned families, they said you're on a list that's going to go And so, public. you know, the, the fact that that kind of thing comes out when there's, as Mike said, no basis for that at this point because we don't know what the outcome is going to be. And really, it shows something else about, I think, the campaigns, and, and that's that they aren't really very good at the nuts and bolts of the political process. You know, this has been out there for a long time. And if you're tuned in and you're aware, then you're taking care of business rather than trying to scare somebody into doing what you want them to do. So I think um, Indiana's going to be interesting. I'll be curious to see how it breaks down by district, and uh, then we'll see what happens. Well, but part of the lesson here, John, is that this is a party affair. I mean, the people are talking about, you know, I, I want my vote to count, but it's the party that decides what the rules are and what the votes mean. It's not like the fall. No, that's true. And Pure W is another one you might want to consider on the restaurant <laughs> front in Cleveland. We'll, we'll get to the map coordinates later. It's, I'm not surprised, though, that, they're, that these allegations are being leveled. I mean, we can debate. It sounds like we have two clear corners as to whether the deck is stacked or not in terms of the delegate makeup. But if you're Donald Trump, it seems to me, from a, just a strategic standpoint or a tactical standpoint, you'd want to level that that charge because, again, that's the notion uh, that has motivated 
many of his supporters. I'm, I'm the fighting that the establishment. I'm, I'm not well, the establishment. Uh, yeah. We've seen how, look at what's happened in the wake of the, uh, in the Colorado vote. You know, Reince Priebus is about to pull out his hair over Donald Trump's criticism of the party structure and the party apparatus. So I'm not surprised that he's going there, but it, it can't, again, just from a purely tactical standpoint, yeah. why not motivate your base and get them out? You know, the, the, the irony of this, though, is that he has always couched his support of whoever the eventual nominee is if it's fair. And now he can say, maybe it isn't. These tactics, I don't care whether it's preconceived or not. The, the threats don't have any place here. Rex is right. right to repudiate them. Right. But on the other hand, you can see why it would happen. I mean, he's made his whole life as being a bully and through intimidation. It isn't surprising that some of his supporters would be attracted to him for that reason. Rex two, also thinks this helps Trump's cause in Indiana. Well, two things. One, I disagree with that overwhelmingly. But two things. One, Rex did put these folks down who did this immediately, right. which I thought was important for him to do, and it was the right thing for him to do. But second, doing this, and I saw some of these emails, and they came very close to the line of, if it's not, it's really close to the line. But by doing that, that's no way to win people over. Right. Know? I mean, I, I've known these people that they're talking about for a long time, and they are used to you know, playing hardball politics. Only so 57 is, delegates in Indiana. You don't get stuff. to be one without being involved yeah. in Republican and, and, and politics so, for a long and, and time. this is not the way to win them over. It just yeah. doesn't make any sense. All right. The candidates for president are concentrating on New York this week, but the campaigns are already focusing on Indiana with May 3rd fast approaching. Donald Trump has a campaign headquarters in Carmel, offices in Evansville and Fort Wayne. The Ted Cruz campaign set up shop on the second floor of this two-story office building in Lawrence. No media was allowed inside, but we can tell you that phone banks are set up and staffers are at work there. Uh, John Kasich's headquarters was established in a small shop in a Fisher strip mall. Even before it opened, Kasich supporter Becky McNichols was able to pick up a yard sign there. I think he has the most experience. He's not playing the blame game, and he also um, is one who I think will pull the whole party together. I'm real concerned about the Republican Party right now. And Delaney, why are the Republicans arriving a week or more behind Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders? Well, I mean, they've been duking it out in so many different locations, it's not surprising. And they're all here at the same time. But this is do or die for them. I mean, they either stop Trump in Indiana or they probably don't stop Trump. And it's, so it's going to be tooth and nail all the way through May the 3rd, and we'll see what happens. His candidacy and the uh, interest he's generating in this is going to help people like Marlon Stutzman. It's going to also affect... It's also going to affect other races down ballot. It's going to be interesting to see. And just today, we received word that Ted Cruz is going to come to the state GOP dinner next week. It's the first scheduled candidate appearance. Um, do you see Cruz putting more emphasis here than Trump? Oh, was? absolutely. I think he'd be crazy not to. Uh, this is going to be, I think, Ant's right. The timing of this has now become a, a critical part of the final stretch drive of this campaign uh, pre-convention. So that's why they're all arriving all of a sudden. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out because I'd be stunned if they don't all spend a lot of time here uh, because this is pivotal now. I mean, you can't get there without coming to Indiana now. Um, we're looking at contested primaries on both sides. My research, uh, maybe not the best researcher, but tells me you've got to go back to 1964 to, to find that happening in Indiana. Uh, Great, this, huh? Yeah, this is it's gives different. you something to talk about for a whole month. <laughs> All of us. All of us. Well, we've said that this cycle has been uh, 
history making in many ways. I guess uh, this is yet another example of that. Yeah, you who would have you'd never if you were placing bets, you know, a year ago, you'd never say, "Hey, put some money on Indiana to be uh, a real Can hot play. ticket." And it, and it's the only uh, state that has a primary on that day, so it doesn't have to share the the spotlight, the national spotlight. You've got a, win, a week or so when people, the candidates, don't have to worry about, uh, you know, I need to be this state, but then I need to divide my time here, and then I need to go here. It's going to be all Indiana all the time for that period of time. So for all of us who complain for years about, you know, Indiana's spot in the, in the pecking order or on the calendar and how... Uh, Basically uh, irrelevant, it made See, the state. I guess patient. now, now it's yeah. the right place at the right time. Things come full circle. Um, it's different, though, than 2008. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, it is. The whole tenor is completely different, and um, you know, it's a coincidence. It just happens to be the the case this year that the way the races have gone and and the the nature of those races have meant that Indiana still has a a role to play here, but. Um, 2008, it was very clearly the uh, Hillary Clinton versus Barack Obama. Um, they were both more retail, you know, politics. Um, we, we didn't see a lot of the stuff that we just talked about with the delegates and the process. Yeah. Um, it was, you know, both of them going at it. And when they were done, it was 51-49. It was a heck it of a race. It was close. Yeah. You didn't know until late that night. That's right. And, and they got here in mid-March. Right. So they spent oh. a lot of time here. Right. All right. Early voting in Hamilton County is almost triple what it was at this time four years ago. Here in Marion County, it's almost double. In Hamilton County, 75% of the early voters are Republicans, and that's a sign of interest in the GOP presidential nomination. Uh, but there are two school referendums and some local races that also create interest there. Plus, voters just like the convenience of early voting. Going on a trip and wanted to be sure to vote. I think it's an absolute necessity. Now more than ever, it's my job as an American. It's my duty. I just want to make sure I get it done. When you have voter turnout, uh, that's a good thing. And that's Hamilton County Election Administrator Kathy Richardson, who encourages early voting. John Ketzenberger, should we expect long lines on May 3rd? Um, well, I mean, there probably is going to be pretty heavy turnout. Uh, I don't think we'll have a situation like we did with, uh, was that Arizona, where they had the very long lines and, well, they, and they had the problems because of the reduction in the number of precincts. I don't foresee that. Uh, but, you know, the early voting, I do think, is a, is a bit of a barometer of, of the interest in the race. And those local races, I think it'll be interesting to see how far down ballot people go. Um, so if they're just going for the presidential race or the gubernatorial race or the Senate race, or do they go all the way down the ballot and vote for those local races and those referenda? Um, yeah, it's going to be a busy day, but I don't think it'll be outrageous. Okay. Um, but voter registration's up, early voting's up. I mean, you've you got to believe there's a lot of interest in this. There appears to be a lot of interest. I guess the question then, the next question obviously is, is it motivated by... Uh, passion for a candidate or fear of a candidate, uh, two, potentially two dramatically different things. Um, and and I, I don't know. I mean, this, is, this defies uh, prediction. I, it, even the, even the, uh, these, these various sort of, this amalgam of, that has united behind, say, Donald Trump, many of them, at least anecdotally, first-time voters, it, you can't really, because they're an unknown commodity, you can't really say they'll, you know, how they might vote further down the ticket. It's just an unknown. And uh, 
I guess uh, if there's something we can celebrate, I've said this on the show before, is that if, if registration's up and uh, people get out to the polls, that's, no matter how you slice it, a good thing. For pundits, for candidates, for everybody, it creates some uncertainty if, if there's a big Oh, absolutely. Uh, whenever you have a large number of people who, many of which have never participated before, uh, that's always something that you're interested in finding out how they're going to participate. Uh, so that's not, that's not uh, anything new from the standpoint that you worry about those kind of folks showing up on Election Day. But uh, it's, it's one of these where you've got a, a couple things going. One, I think people are starting to get used to early voting. More so than ever, they're doing it more each election this cycle. This is the third presidential right. cycle. Right. So where each it's election available cycle, there seem to be more yeah. people that are doing it. Second, you got presidential primaries in both parties, which is a driver in a presidential year. Then the U.S. Senate race. Then in Hamilton County, legislative races mm-hmm. plus school referendums. So there are a lot of reasons why those numbers are what they are. I think it's great. I hope everybody turns out and shows up. It should be quite a night. But a lot of Republicans showing up in Hamilton County, it's double here, and these are mostly Democrats. Yeah, you you know, it's it's great. It's encouraging that people are participating. But just think of how much more participation we could have if we had laws that encourage voting (laughs) instead of discouraging voting. voting. Yeah, no, we're not voting no? in the numbers. We were 49th <laughs> out of 50 states in voter participation right. last Early. cycle. Time now, time now for viewer feedback. Each week we pose an unscientific online poll question in conjunction with our Ice Miller email and text alerts. This week's question, are you planning to vote in the Indiana primary? Your choices are A, yes, B, I'm voting early, or C, no. Last week's question, how would you describe the periods for Pence movement on social media? 94 4% uh, said brilliant, 3% said juvenile, 3% said uncomfortable. More than 2,000 took part. If you'd like to take part in the poll, go to wfyi.org slash IWIR and look for the poll. The GOP Senate primary took on a new tone this week. Todd Young sought to contrast his record with that of Marlon Stutzman with this ad. It's trust for U.S. Senate, not Marlon Stutzman. He's been a career politician since he was 26. He pocketed nearly a million dollars worth of the same taxpayer subsidies he claims to oppose. Okay, that's a tough ad. Uh, Stutzman came back uh, today with an even tougher ad. Uh, John Schwannis, first of all, can Todd Young get to the right of Marlon Stutzman? (laughs) He can try. Uh, I mean, and he's been described in some of the spots as the rock-ribbed conservative. Um, I mean, the C word is what, you know, that seems to be the driver here. Forget who's more Republican, who's more the it's, who's more conservative. And that speaks to, uh, we just talked a moment ago about uh, a lack of certainty or familiarity with, with some of the first-time voters. And I think uh, this, this speaks to where at least these two campaigns think that the voters are in the primary, and that is very conservative uh, well, if, if you you know if you put the spectrum here, right. they're on the. They're I think on that's the right. right. But they're both endorsed by the NRA. They're both endorsed by Right to Life. So they have to find ways to differentiate themselves. Well, that's right. On a policy basis, um, they are very similar people. Um, I think when you put the two together, um, it's pretty clear to most people that Marlon Stutzman' record over a period of time uh, has been further to the right than Young's, at least perception-wise. Uh, but, you know, I think John's right, and I think it reflects their own polling. We haven't seen uh, any polling in the public, but I'm guessing that, that their polling is showing that there's an appetite for that. And I'll really be curious after the election to see 
where they did well and who else did well around them. For instance, whether Trump did well and then did Stutzman do well at the same time, or what kind of trends came out of that? Uh, the Stutzman ad uh, uh, goes after Young uh, for being supported by Mitch McConnell, the, the Senate Republican leader. And yeah. He's clearly trying to portray him as the, the establishment candidate. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously, it, it, it's not just a run to the right. It's like a stampede to the right for the Tea Party. And the irony of this is when, when Young uh, unleashed the first salvo, uh, it means he's running scared. Because if he were so far ahead, he's certainly spending an inordinate amount of money on television. And if he were clearly ahead, he could ignore Marlon Stutzman, and he's not, which tells you something about what their polling shows and how much weight the Tea Party actually wields in the Republican primary. But also back to what I said before, there's a lot of uncertainty out there. No, no question. But her statement indicates that the Democrats have already decided young it's more dangerous for them to run against them. Oh, I think that's right. They'd much rather run against Stutzman. Yeah, no no question about it. You have a precedent for that. <laughs> we had a, we have a situation where I don't think he's trying to get to the right of Stutzman, but I do think that he has to make sure people know that he's a conservative also, and that's why you see the kind of spots that they have. What's interesting to me in this race, I think it is a question when the primary rolls around about how people feel about the fact that one of these gentlemen will work with the leadership and one won't. And is that the real underlying question here about whether or not people want that leadership to change at the top, or should we keep what we have and work with what we got there? And in this day and age, with the anger that seems to be out there, that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I no think question they should change the leadership. Really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. It won't be yeah. the D. Okay. First quarter fundraising numbers are in in the race for governor today, and John Gregg outraised Mike Pence. John Gregg raised $1.9 million. Mike Pence raised $1.5 million. And Delaney, what does that tell oh, you? Oh, I think that's phenomenal. You have you have a. a you have an, a non-incumbent outraising an incumbent governor. And by the way, of the $1.5 million that Mike Pence raised, 500000 came from the Re- Republican Governors Association. So the support here in Indiana for him is non-existent. And I think that's very, very encouraging for, uh, for John well, Gregg and the Democrats. I don't think a million dollars is non-existent, <laughs> yeah. but, it, but it does well, suggest... It's not as good as, as it is for a non-incumbent. It, you know, a Republican incumbent in Indiana being outraised is a little like the Washington General getting ahead of the Globetrotters. One quarter and one quarter. You know, one what's quarter, the cash on hand? It's, uh, Mike Pence has $7.6 million. John Gregg has $5, five million. million. Okay, so there's good. a $2.5 million advantage there. Uh, you know, they're both going to have the money they need. Believe me, by the time this election day rolls around, people are going to get sick of seeing the answer for both of these people, along with everybody else that's going to clutter your airwaves with information. So that money's not going to be a problem on either side. Nobody ever thought it would. Especially for John this time versus last time. Last time I was gonna say, it was people a gave it to the time. Senate race and didn't give right. to him. This time they're giving to him on a D side. So right. that's a, a big difference from what we had the last time around. Yeah, but it, it, John Gregg's a better candidate this time than he was four years ago. I, I, uh, because I guess it said anything because well that <laughs> might be that could be that could be but but it's a big part of the deal. It's I'm not sure how you can define who's a better candidate, but if 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 you're I'm just the, comparing him against if, him if, four if, years if, ago, right? But even there, you have different measuring sticks. If you're talking about who's more attuned uh, to and maybe more adept at 
lining the coffers uh, to be able to wage the air war that you talk about, he's the better candidate now. He's got more money, I mean, if you compare them side by side with four years ago. Could it be a close race? Uh, It sure is stacking up as a close race, but I think one of the things that money can't buy is energy. And it'll be interesting to see if the energy of those who would support John Gregg can maintain itself and the energy of those who would support Mike Pence, which has been more reliable in the past, remains so. Or the energy of those who would oppose Mike Pence, which is palpable out there. I understand that, but it has to sustain and go to the poll. So far, it's going. the top of the ticket will be a major factor also, both sides. Uh, All right, finally, Dan Coates and Joe Donnelly want the people in this state to be officially known as Hoosiers. Right now, the federal government publishing office uses the phrase Indianan to describe somebody from Indiana. The two U.S. senators sent a letter this week asking the board to change the term to Hoosiers. The publishing office sets the rules and standards for products printed or published by the federal government. Mike McDaniel, what does that tell you about government bureaucracy? Well, same thing I've been saying my entire political life, you know, it's crazy. Uh, I'm delighted to see the bipartisan support for uh, this particular uh, change. Can you imagine going to see the movie Indianans <laughs> or the Indiana University hurry in Indianans. I mean, it's just crazy. So we're Hoosiers. Call us that. Wake up, federal well, government. I just wonder whether they checked with Mitch Daniels and the people at Purdue about how they feel about being called Hoosiers. I would imagine he likes being called well, Hoosiers. See, I wonder what the rest of the Purdue alums think. They had, a, they had a field day. The Purdue folks had a field day at the expense of IU this week when it was shown on social media a sign uh, from IU talking about Hoosiers and it was misspelled. So oh, it must have been done by somebody. Yeah, no. we're Hoosiers, okay? Hoosiers. That's Indiana Week in Review for this week. Our panel is Democrat and Delaney, Republican Mike McDaniel, John Schwanis of Indiana Lawmakers, and John Ketzenberger of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. If you'd like a podcast of this program, you can find it at wfyi.org/iwir. Or starting Monday, you can stream it or get it on demand from Xfinity or Bright House Networks. I'm Jim Shella of Wish TV. We'll see you again. Next next week. Programming is made possible by Ice Miller. Ice Miller, with a 100-year tradition of learning what is important to clients and strategizing with them toward a common goal. Today, Ice Miller continues its commitment to help clients build, grow, and protect their interests. More at icemiller.com.